Hey, welcome to James Crowley's Infinite Playlist, the podcast where I try to hear every song that has ever existed, a podcast on the Lughole Network. I am well-rested. I am relaxed. I'm never relaxed, really. Um, No, I'm coming off of a week of vacation, so it was nice. The past two weeks have been great episodes, and I was very happy that I could have those episodes uh, come out while I was away, just because they were episodes that I was very proud of. Uh, Talking to Colin Cronin from the Irish NFL show and Adventures in Advising about live music. Such a great time. A lot of people, you know, going back to shows, I've been seeing clips of people at shows and it got me really excited. I'm really excited about the last two episodes of the podcast. I'm also uh, excited about this episode. (laughs) I'm excited about every episode of this podcast. That's why I do this. Um, Yeah, so this week is just me. It, you know, next week we have a very fun episode uh, that I'm recording later this week. You'll see it next week. Very fun. Very excited about it. Um, But this week it's just me, just me talking about um, some of the stuff I've been listening to lately. Um, Some kind of sad stuff at the end, but you'll you'll know it when we get there. Um, But anyway, uh, before I talk to you about the things that I've been listening to, uh, follow me on all my social media. I'm James P. Crowley on Instagram. Instagram and TikTok, James P. Crowley 68 on Twitter. Uh, you can subscribe to the newsletter, jamescrowley.substack.com. I think those are all my plugs. You can follow the podcast on Instagram, James Crowley's Infinite Playlist, one word. Um, yeah, and also, guys, if you like the podcast, tell your friends, tell your mom, tell your dad, tell strangers on the street, and also please leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it really helps us out. Um, but anyway, let's get into just some of the stuff I've been listening to lately, and we're going to start off with something that caught my attention that I'm very excited about. This song is called Piss, and it's by an artist named Little Hag. don't know if this is Little Hag's first release, and if it is, it makes a very bold statement. Um, this artist released uh, a three-song EP called Breakfast, which probably wouldn't have gotten my attention, but I saw uh, another artist that I really like tweet about it. So, you know, I was also, so at that point I was like, okay, I should maybe pay attention to this and then i looked at the track listing and it has three songs on it the first one is called piss the second one is called blood and the third one is called come and i was like okay i have to check this out because that's the funniest thing and the coolest thing and uh this song just immediately stood out to me because it's kind of funny but also kind of heartbreaking um you know i love songs that are funny that can do a lot 
uh, kind of with very little, if that makes sense. This song, you know, the opening line is pissing my, my organs, pissing my pants, piss like a horse. But, you know, there's a lot of really emotional things, and Little Hag's melodies are incredible they're just like it's very catchy you get caught up and it's like a pop song and it's kind of hyper poppy but not in this sort of brash turned up sense that i think that we think about when we think of hyper pop it's kind of very soothing and very nice and very melodic um but it has these brash song titles that i love and it's just so incredible and you know the lyrics are still funny but they still are saying a lot i love a lot like the world is my toilet the world is my cage the jokes on the people who said i was brave in the chorus it's such a such a great little artist so like funny and i sent this to so many people right off the bat because i was like this is insane it's you know I don't know, when I see brash song titles, I always want to listen. You know, it doesn't matter how, like, out there a song title is. I, if I see you're going to put out an EP called Breakfast with the song titles being Piss, Blood, and Come, I'm gonna listen to it. Um, but yeah, it just really caught my attention. And all three of the songs are very good. This one's just my favorite. Um, but yeah, but so yeah, so this is like the, one of the artists that I've been most excited about. Uh, when I eventually, you know, write up my favorite EPs of the year, um, this is 100% going to be in there because it's so good and so well thought out. Um, but anyway, let's keep on rolling along into another one-word song title. Uh, my next track is Villain by Death Heaven. spoken a lot about Death Heaven on this podcast, the more and more that I think about it. Um, I love Death Heaven. I know that I've included some songs from this release uh, on the podcast, some of the singles, um, but I don't know if I've ever talked about how big of a Death Heaven fan I am. Um, let's start off with a beef I have related to Death Heaven. Um, I've bought tickets to see Death Heaven two times. Um, once in 2019, I believe, it was, they were doing a show at, I want to say, they were doing a tour with Baroness and Zeal and Ardor. Zeal and Ardor, you know, is an artist that I love. They were doing that tour, they were playing Terminal 5, which isn't my favorite venue, but whatever. And then, um, when that tour was coming through, 
uh, Frankie Becerra, most influential guest on the podcast, texted me and he said, uh, oh, hey, I have uh, this show at Pace University. Um, do you want to do it? And I was like, oh, yeah, of course. And I put my comedy career over my concert going. So I went to the show and it was good. It was a good time. I had a lot of fun. Um, but I was like, oh, man, miss death heaven, you know, because, you know, even though I love doing the shows, you still want to see bands that you love. And then the next year, they were coming around, they were doing a 10th anniversary tour. And Frankie and I were supposed to have our show, Frankie and James Do Half Hours, uh, on the day. They were doing two nights in New York, and I happened to buy it for the night that we had uh, scheduled the show. And I was like, God damn it, I gotta either sell my ticket or trade out my ticket. Um, and then COVID happened, so the show didn't happen, and neither did Frankie and James do Half Hours. Um, but so then when Def Heaven announced this album, I was very excited. I love Def Heaven. I liked the fact that a lot of it, that they were experimenting with a lot of different things. Um, I'm going to be kind of honest here and say that this is a band that I love, but it kind of this record kind of underwhelmed me. There were a lot of moments that I liked. I still think A Great Mass of Color is a great song. I really like the gnashing. And this song also very much stood out to me. Each time I listened through this album, I was looking up on this song. This was one where I would look at my phone and be like, well, what am I listening to? Because this song is great. And I think the back half of this album is a lot stronger than the front half of this album. Um, but, you know, it over what's been very funny, I think, recently, is I feel like there was like a week where every day I would look at Pitchfork, and not that I need Pitchfork's approval on anything that I listen to, but I was looking at Pitchfork just to like, you know, I wanted to see what they give all sorts, I like to see what they give the big records, I like to see what they give records by bands that I like, just out of my own curiosity, and, you know, and I also do it for albums that I'm genuinely curious about, sometimes they'll review something I've never heard of and I think should I check that out um, but I feel like there was a week that like so many albums that were either highly anticipated or records that you know I really liked or whatever got sixes and there's like three of them on this week's playlist um, but yeah and uh, you know, I don't... It, music criticism is all subjective, and there, like I said, I did enjoy this album a lot. I'll put this album on again and enjoy it. But, you know, it, they were kind of right. You know, it's a good album, not a great album. It's not Sunbather. It's not Numer Bermuda. It's not, um, you know, uh, Corrupt Human Love. I forget the four words of that title. Ordinary Corrupt Human Love. That's the title. Um... But yeah, but Villain was a great song. I really enjoyed this one. It's definitely, you know, my second favorite from the album. My favorite is still very much a great mass of color. Um, but anyway, let's keep on rolling along into another album that uh, got a six from Pitchfork. A six, six point something, I should say. They're all, you know, various scores. Um, my next song is The Path by Lord. <laughs> Island. 
I guess I shouldn't have been surprised that the Lord album was kind of underwhelming. None of the singles really hit me the way that I wanted them to, but I guess that also shouldn't be surprising because I'm I'm a melodrama guy. I love her album Melodrama. I like Pure Heroine. I don't love Pure Heroine. And that's kind of the same way I feel about this. I liked this album, did not love it. Um, to go back to Frankie, me and Frankie have been texting about... Uh, the Lord album. Keep an eye out for Frankie and James do half hours opening up for Lord. <laughs> um, we've uh, we've been talking about the Lord. We were talking about the Lord album, and I sent him something about how it's probably going to be a weak album before it came out. And he said, you know, I think that this is going to be her weakest album, but I think that I'm still going to like it. And that is kind of a very accurate summation to my feelings on this. I was listening to it, and this the first song. This is the first song on the album, and this was what caught my attention the most i really really liked this i think it did a really good job of kind of luring me in and making me want to listen to the whole thing but overall i was pretty underwhelmed i didn't you know none of this album blew me away um and none of it is bad but none of it is mind-blowing there isn't a you know there isn't like a writer in the dark moment there isn't like a song like green light that just like grabbed me um but overall you put it on it vibes and that's about all you could really ask for at the end of the day it's it's good it's you know not something i think that i'm going to i don't think it's going to be one of my favorite albums of the year but yeah, i enjoyed it you know for what it is and i think that this is the strongest track on the whole record i think that and i think that i look forward to her doing more album release i look forward to her doing more like press around it because when i've watched her do live performances from songs from this album i like them more <laughs> i also think that she shouldn't have put this album out it like at the end of august this album should have dropped in spring this should have been like an april 1st sort of album and not because it's a joke because <laughs> it's sunny and bright and it would have done really well for those like early summer days those like spring days where you sit out and you just kind of hang out and you sit there and you know you take in the sun and the heat and you know you're enjoying it same thing with summertime but it's the end of summer and you know it's coming out you know as we're going into fall you know melodrama i don't i don't know when melodrama came out let's uh let's see i'm pulling up when was the release date this has to be on genius right um of course it's not. Oh, June June 16th, 20th. Oh, okay, that's funny. I was under the impression that Melodrama was kind of a fall album, but, like, it's so versatile, and I think that's why I don't... I was like, Melodrama feels like fall, maybe winter, but it was a summer record, and I don't know. That's funny. I'm stupid. That's That should be your real takeaway at the end of the day for all of this. But, um... <laughs> these are... <sighs> I'm such... This was another album that I'm pretty sure got a six on Pitchfork. Um, next song that I'm talking about is 737 by Foxing.
While we're all here, so the Foxing record did get a solid six, six across the board. Lord got a six point eight, um, and then let's see what Deaf Heaven got. Um, Deaf Heaven, watch Deaf Heaven got like a seven. Um, Deaf Heaven got a six point five. There's one more coming up, uh, and I'll read what the exact score is there too. But I mean, it's just and it's stupid, and none of these scores matter. I you know I these are all included in the podcast because I like all these songs. Um, oh, you, oh, I didn't include a killer song, but the S- Killers got a six point six. I loved that record. Should have included a killer song. I'm so stupid. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry, this is becoming the James Crowley Reads Pitchfork Scores podcast. Um, I'm going to look up the last one just so that I have it ready when it's time. Um, I don't think the Billie Eilish record got a six, but it deserved that. The Billie Eilish record I did not vibe with, like, at all. Um, but anyway, Foxing, Draw Down the Moon, great record. Really, really enjoyed this. One of the things that I think that people... It, I remember seeing someone complaining because they saw a lot of people mention it. A lot of people mentioned in their reviews that this record sounds like um, Passion Pit. And there are a lot of moments that the high-pitched vocals made me think Passion Pit because I listened to those records when I was in like high school and college and loved them. I loved Passion Pit. I almost bought tickets for like the 10th anniversary of Sleepyhead or whatever it was. Um, and there were a lot of moments listening to this Foxing record that, you know, it did sound like anthemic, big, you know, festival indie rock. And I think that that is cool as hell. I'm you know, I don't like a lot of those bands, but I like Foxing and I like the things that they've done with this record. I think that it's very cool. I think that this was incredibly ambitious and I think that they did a very good job of, you know, making it, you know, an enjoyable record that, you know, kind of bridges the gap between what they are and what they could be, you know, and I think that a lot of emo kids are going to hear it. And I think that this song in particular is just mind-blowing. I think that this is the perfect way to open a record. This is probably one of my favorite album openers of the year so far. Um, you know, I just think that, like, it starts very calming. It, start, it has this very, like, uplifting quality. And then it just falls into chaos. And they're screaming. And it's... You know, there's a reason this record is kind of like Bill, it was kind of marketed as like a fantasy adventure because this record takes you through so much shit and I love it. (laughs) I guess that's kind of what I'll close that on. Um, My next pick, I don't 
think got written up in Pitchfork, but I'm gonna look it up while you're listening to the song. My next pick was um, Debt Symmetry by Pet Symmetry. Um, so this has been my favorite Pet Symmetry album so far. I've been kind of going back and revisiting the first two albums, and there is stuff that I enjoy, but I didn't like any of the Pet Symmetry albums right off the bat. Oh, before <laughs> I talk more, I did look it up. This album was not reviewed on Pitchfork. The last one was Vision, and that got a 6.8. So, you know, <laughs> it's very funny. Um, but anyway... Um, the Pet Symmetry, their last few albums, their first two, three albums or EPs, whatever they are, um, never totally connected with me on the first listen. Or I would listen and I would be like, this is cool, but it doesn't totally connect for me. And then, you know, I've I've always respected pretty much everything that Evan Weiss does. You know, I love Into It Over It the most. You know, that's one of my favorite bands. Um but so I was like, okay, I'm going to give this another try. And I started going back and I got an advance of this record and I was like, okay, this is cool. And I started listening to it and I was like, okay, I, I get this. And this really connected. It's very catchy, very punchy, very like lots of things going on. And it really just kind of connected with me. And I like the way that they've kind of marketed it. I think it's very fun. I like the fact that it's a QR code on the album cover. I like that they're selling t t-shirts that say earth is fucked it's very funny um and you know this is just one of the songs that you know it just kind of i kept like with the deaf heaven record where when i was listening through i kept looking and seeing that i was listening to villain you know every time i would listen through to this album there are a handful of songs that i've written that i like on this album one that i'm planning on writing about very soon but this is one that i kept looking up and i was like okay cool i dig this and it's a little bit more low-key than a lot of the rest of the album it's a little bit more uh you know calm it's almost i like the way that evan is singing on this because it's a little bit more it's almost like a chant you know it kind of makes me think a little bit of being in church but i relate to these lyrics uh which is kind of dorky but that's how i feel so i really like this record but anyway let's roll on in to the next song that i wanted to talk about and the next song that i wanted to talk about is play till you win by kississippi
for those keeping score at home, this record got a 6.7 in Pitchfork. Um, no, I've been a Kississippi fan for a few years now. I reviewed their last album, Sunset Blush, for Atwood. I did review this one also. Very, very different records. Um, and you know, I was drawn into Kississippi mainly because of the name of the band. It is very eye-catching. It's very fun. Um, you know, I like the I like the color scheme on Sunset Blush a lot, which is a dumb thing to say, but that's you know how I feel sometimes, and that's sometimes enough to get me to listen to an album. Um, no, but so you know, when I got the advance of this record, I was very excited. You know, I'd been keeping track of a lot of things that were going on in the Kississippi camp. You know, I when Around Your Room came out, I think that was the first single that got me very excited. There's been, excuse me, there's been a lot of very exciting tracks to come out from this band. Um, but so yeah, so this record is a shift to pop music, um, where Sunset Blush is very much an indie rock record. Um, and there are still elements of that at play here. If you read my review in Atwood, that's there. And you can read that Twin Flame has a Barty Strange feature. You know I love Barty Strange. Um, but yeah, the other thing that I like, I like about a lot of pop records is when a pop record makes me feel things. There's a lot of pop records that I do not care about at all. And I can still have fun listening to those, but they don't move me in one way or direction. When I listen to this and when I listen to like, a song like this in particular it still strikes at my heartstrings the way that like a song by a band like the wonder years does or like that a song you know it, it like makes me think like if i heard this when i was 15 i'd be listening to pop music then <laughs> um and you know yes there are still elements of indie rock at play here there's still elements of pop punk and you know that sort of like emo diy scene but it is done through a pop music lens and this song in particular i just kind of really like because it's it's a good old sad <laughs> you know song and those uh you know we like those on this podcast you know it has the lyric i'm a sad little kid with a heart full of sin which i didn't realize until just as i read that that it kind of echoed is my favorite lyric from Sunset Blush, which is on the song Cut Your Teeth, where she sings, let me find it, you were a Catholic school kid, you kept quiet for the fear that you'd choose. You'd choose this. Um, yeah, great, great lyricist. I, Kississippi, Zoe, great band. Um, but yeah, let's roll on in. Okay, so now it's gonna get a little bit sad. That's all new stuff. All stuff that's come out pretty recently that I've been listening to. We're gonna take it way back now. My next song is Lightning Express by the Everly Brothers. That started out on its way All of the passengers that were on board seemed The stern old conductor then started his round 
so Don Everly died last week. Um, and I'm not going to act like I was a huge Everly Brothers fan. Um, I wasn't, but I like this album a lot. I like songs our daddy taught us. Um, and this is my favorite song from that record. I was first exposed to this record when Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day did a cover so- covers album with Nora Jones, um, just of the album straight through. I got to see them perform this uh, it, at the Bowery Electric in New York City. Um, I think I might even still have my CD copy somewhere <laughs> of the covers album. It's called Foreverly. Um, and it's... It's really a bit... The Everly Brothers were a band that really laid down the architecture of rock and roll. (laughs) They were early purveyors of it. Uh, The band started in the early 1950s, and they were active through the 60s into the 70s, and then active again from the 80s to the 2000s. You know, they've been a very strong presence and when you listen to songs like this you could hear sort of where singer songwriters would come from with this with like artists like Bob Dylan but also artists like Bonnie Vare and you know things that would come further and further down the line um so it was very sad to learn that Don Everly died Phil Everly had died um it's some time ago, back in 2014. Um, I'm not going to do the math right now. Um, but so, yeah, so Lightning Express is my favorite Everly Brothers song. So I wanted to include it really just for that reason, to remember Phil. And I don't think I would have thought about that until I saw that he died while I was in Mexico. And I really like... It's a really kind of morbid song. There's a lot of very dark things on this record and i remember billy joe talking about that and i think about like you know this is a song kind of about you know a kid hitching a ride on a train because he's like lost in the wild west and you know he's trying to see his mother before she dies but it's done in this very sweet and in turn because of the content of the lyrics haunting sort of way and when they harmonize there's a little bit of the aspect where it's almost like listening to like the twins from the shining but such a great band rest in peace don um and we do have one more unfortunate thing to talk about and that is with my next pick which is sympathy for the devil by the rolling stones please allow me to introduce myself i'm a man of will and taste i've been around for a long long year stole many a man's soul and faith So the day that I'm recording this, uh, yesterday, well, so yesterday, um, 
Charlie Watts died. This is coming out Wednesday. Um, I'm recording it on Tuesday. Today is the day that he died. Um, I'm not a drummer, so I can't... And in turn, I don't necessarily pay a lot of attention to drums in songs. I know that they're there. I hear them when I pay attention to them, but I don't have the right ear for those sort of things. So I can't totally appreciate what a great drummer Charlie Watts is in sort of the way that I think that someone who's more well-versed can. I know that he loved jazz music, and I love jazz, and I know that drumming in jazz music is insane. And I think when you listen to a song like Sympathy for the Devil, you can hear what a great drummer Charlie Watts is, even if you're someone like me that can't hear drums, that doesn't have the right ear to tell if someone's a great drummer or not, you know? (laughs) Um, so yeah, so I wanted to, you know, use this song to kind of talk about what a great, what a loss this is. You know, the Rolling Stones, the Rolling Stones have had losses in the past. Um, you know, Brian Jones died in the 1960s. Um, you know, it's insane to think about how Charlie is the... The only the I really think second member of the band I think you know they probably have had other people involved in the band die but really like a member of the fucking Rolling Stones I remember being a little kid in like young young like elementary school and just getting into rock music and I remember um, being on Cape Cod one night with my family and we had cousins over from England and someone was talking about the Rolling Stones and I remember uh, one of my uncles saying, you know, they have so much money they're never gonna die. (laughs) And, you know, it kind of felt very true for a very long time. There's the running joke that Keith Richards died many years ago and just no no one thought to tell him. So, you know, it's sad. I saw the Rolling Stones two years ago um, August 1st, 2019, I saw when I went back in my Instagram to look. Um, and it was an incredible show. Incredible show. You know, like, I, I'm i not going to pretend I'm the world's biggest Rolling Stones fan. I like the Stones. I never loved the Stones. But, you know, they were getting up there. Uh, Nina, my friend Nina, who's been on this podcast before, um, she had an extra ticket. I bought tickets for my dad, and he took my mom. Um, my cousin went to that show with my aunt and uncle. You know, and it was just incredible it was incredible you know this is coming from someone that you know i before that show i would have been like eh i would have said eh to the rolling stones but i knew i knew because i'm like they're not getting any younger you know i've missed out on seeing a lot of artists that i wish i could see live perform and you know every time an artist i love dies like especially an older one you know, I end up thinking, well, shit, I should have seen them, or I should have seen them again, or, you know, whatever, and it, it sucks, it sucks, and I'm very glad that I got to see the Stones, I'm glad I got to see Charlie Watts, and the second they started playing Jumpin' Jack Flash, I nearly started crying, because it was incredible, it, it's such a great band, and it's such a tragic loss that to lose Charlie Watts, um, yeah, so, and I'm sure it'll be just as heartbreaking when Mick and Keith and Ronnie, when all of them end up passing away eventually, but um, Charlie Watt, the, the, you know, the Everly Brothers were architects of rock and roll, 
the Rolling Stones really kind of created what it means to be a rock band. You know, you think about a rock and roll lifestyle, which Charlie Watts didn't necessarily lead. He was very honest about the fact that he didn't like partying. He liked to dress nice and, you know, was very, he was cool. That's really it. I saw Stephen Hyden, who's a critic I love, tweet about how cool he is. Um, and that's true. And, you know, the, the Rolling Stones were all kind of cool in their own sort of way, very different ways. Um, and Charlie Watts was a very laid back type of cool. So it's sad, um, you know, and he'll be missed. Uh, but anyway, I'm James Crowley. I'll jam out with you next time. And who killed the Kennedys? Fought for ten decades for the guys they made. I shouted out, who killed the Kennedys? When after all, it was you and me. Let me please introduce myself. This has been a Lug Hole Podcast.